Welcome to the Australian Weight Loss Surgery Podcast, where every two weeks we explore all the aspects of the weight loss surgery journey. We'll hear from a range of experts, including bariatric surgeons, psychologists, patients, and dietitians, sharing up-to-date, informative advice to help fast-track your long-term weight loss success. Welcome back to the Australian Weight Loss Surgery Podcast. I'm Jackie Lewis, clinical nutritionist for BN Multi. Hair loss after weight loss surgery is an unsettling and tricky time for some patients who do experience that in the first little while after their surgery. You'll hear in this podcast how some of that can be expected as a result of the surgery. We'll also run through a range of different things you can do if hair loss is happening to you. My guest this evening is Sarah Lavelle from Lavelle Hair Workroom in Green Slopes. I've known Sarah myself for about five years and I can say she runs a beautiful home-based niche boutique salon in Brisbane and allows room for those tricky conversations or private consultation as well. Sarah and Susie are the main stylists at Lavelle and both of them are skilled in their own right, but also skilled with mental health first aid and also just a sense of, I guess, keeping things personal and also delivering a service that's, you know, well exceeds your expectations. In the salon, you'll find sustainable products, all Australian made. Sarah's attention to detail and ethical practice is really evident from the moment you walk in the door. Um, So I'm pleased that, you know, not that far from me at home and I can visit on a regular basis. If you're experiencing your own hair concerns, please do visit Susie and Sarah at Lavelle Hair Workroom in Green Slopes. So Sarah's been practicing hairdressing for more than 20 years and I find she just brings that personal touch to her practice and very privileged to have her here tonight while we discuss the ins and outs of hair loss from, you know, a hairdressing perspective or the external side of things, if you like. And we look at the internal story of what can be happening if hair loss is prevalent after weight loss surgery for you. And I'll also look at that from a nutritional perspective. So welcome, Sarah. Thank you so much for your time at this time of year, particularly busy. How are you? I'm well, thank you. Thank you for having me, Jackie. It's great to be here and I'm, I'm really looking forward to being able to share some of my um, insights that might be able to help others tonight. It'll be great. Yeah, I think it's a great combination, the kind of internal nutrition side of things, but also the hacks and hints and tips you can provide as well, you know, getting through that period of hair loss as well as what might be at work as well. So we will hash it out in the next 30 to 40 minutes. So hair loss is a massive issue and when patients are looking at the weight loss surgery journey often it's one of their bigger questions because it's something that's very visible and it's also something that's quite unsettling and at a time where you're really working on trying to feel your best and look your best and your hair's falling out it can be pretty distressing so when it's happening there's different things at work and you can expect a bit of hair loss in the first six months after surgery there's a wonderful article from the bariatric times that I 
I'll share in the show notes as well, which gives all the research into hair loss after weight loss surgery as well. Six months in, it can be just the, you know, the adjustment that the body's going through after the surgery. After six months, it's a belief and the evidence is there that it's a lack of nutrients. Um, And I'll go into that a little bit later. So when it's happening, Sarah, we have this debate on should we cut the hair or should we not cut it? What are your thoughts Mm. on that? Yeah, look, I can't encourage you more to definitely get trims. So um, I think it's really important to have a great relationship with your stylist. I'll say that, you know, from the start. So all of these things that I'm going to be talking about tonight, really at the end of the day, come down to that relationship that you have with a stylist and an ongoing relationship. Because I think, you know, you don't want to be starting again every time you enter a salon and explaining Mm. where you're at. And it really is, um, it's like, you know, you don't start with a GP fresh every time you go. You need to establish that history and they need to understand your hair and all that kind of thing. As far as cutting goes, I think it's really important to understand that if you're not taking the very tips off at the least just well it's what I I describe it as a nibble so (laughs) um, that's a really good way of describing it to people because you know my inch is different to your inch technically it shouldn't be but people sort of say a trim is a trim well is it so using you know actual growth um, measurements and also words like you know just take a nibble off because what that's going to do is it's going to keep the hair strong from the bottom of the hair up which also means that so it means you're not going to get any splitting and you're not going to get the hair breaking from the bottom all the way up. The other thing is visually as well and from a tactile and aesthetic point of view of the hair, if you've got really wispy ends that are splitting, they appear finer and they feel finer to the hair. So trimming those ends off, even if it's just that little nibble I was talking about, can really help to bulk the hair up Mm. and it can really help to have the appearance of it being a lot fuller than it does if it's wispy and left. That's a good good point. Talk us through hair. like, we talk about the ends. They're the oldest part of the hair, obviously. Are they, is it dead? Is it a living organism still by the time it becomes the end of the hair? Or is it more the scalp hair that um, is kind of the sign of what's, you know, what's ahead as far as the health of the hair goes? Yeah. So I think, um, you know, so depending on the length of your hair and how fast your hair grows and that kind of thing, you will definitely, your hair is dead as it, you know, if it's on the outside of your body. And at the end of the day, hair is um, a pre- Okay, so basically that's what it comes down to. Now, the thing about hair as well is that you'll have people say, my hair never grows. And that's something we hear all the time. Yet they sit in your chair every six weeks with a grey regrowth. The hair's growing. Okay, so that's proof that your hair is growing. If you're getting regrowth and you're getting all that kind of thing, then your hair's definitely growing. If you're not getting length off that hair, then it means that the hair's breaking or that the hair isn't being kept healthy at the bottom, which is going to then therefore mean it's growing down and you're getting to maintain length and even grow the length longer. So it's really important, I think, also to look at the um, health of the hair as it's growing out of the scalp because that's the new hair, that's the fresh hair, and that's where all that new growth comes from that we're talking about and it's really about maintaining the strength of the hair on the mid lengths and ends you know to kind of I guess maintain that body and the bulk while while all that new hair grows through yeah that's a good point and I think some people will go the whole hog and they'll just cut the whole lot off and others will trim the ends off is there any benefit to either of those approaches the only benefit to cutting it all off means that you know the new growth is obviously going to catch up a lot quicker 
quicker. You're going to have a more uniform length all over in a quicker amount of time than if you slowly trim the ends off Mm. and allow that shorter hair to catch up over a period of time. I guess, you know, and we're going to touch on this um, a little bit later in my tips and hints as well, but the, the thing about, we always say it's never just a haircut and there is so much self identity that's attached to cutting hair. Some people are okay to go in and just chop it all off and that's okay because they're comfortable with that and they're ready for the change. But some people still need to hold on to that. And that's often a psychological reason. Um, it's often not got nothing. It's actually got nothing to do with the, the haircut itself, but there's potentially things that are being held on to. So, you know, these are all things that they can actually, people can work on with their, in their psychology sessions as well, that I know most people have along with their bariatric sort of surgery mm. and things like that, don't they? So these things around, um, you know, self-image and that kind of thing. Yeah. I mean, get cutting it all off or keeping the length that all, some people are really attached to length, to length of hair. And it's important to understand as well it's not always us that is attached to that you'll often find that it's you know partners it's children it's other people that are attached to that version of you Um, and there's a lot that happens in that process of weight loss around how others perceive you how you're changing around others and it's often not just yourself that you're holding space for when you're going through that amount of change too so there's a lot to consider there that's a great point and you you do see it like we see we have transformation tuesday in the group where people share their progress success stories that sort of thing and it's not necessarily about you know how much weight have you lost but I really notice that particularly with the women they come back with you know they've got last year's photo and this year's photo and whether it's because they lost their hair in the early stages of surgery or not you can really see that um, when we start to feel better about ourselves overall our our tendency to be bolder with our hair um, also Mm -hmm. increases in my understanding and I do see that some women are totally different color different length you know different style or just more styled and more formed and I Mm -hmm. think that's a really beautiful thing to see is that overall we're starting to really emerge and you know feel beautiful and feel that we're worth you know spending time and energy on to you know do something with your hair as well and also to you know to manage everything else that's going on in the start of the journey and on top of that you're losing your hair like it's um Mm. it's a really hard one so given that this happens we trim and try and um keep the hair as healthy as we can in that way as far as styling goes do you have any and i know we'll set we'll post some videos Mm. of how to what's Mm -hmm. the best way to kind of either mask the hair loss or to, you know, give a fuller appearance and um, something that's, you know, more workable? Yeah, so I think the key here is just to have really, um, you know, quick... Um, quick things that you can do as as your day goes by because one of the other things that happens with hair loss and new hair that comes through is that it's often not a very durable style. Mm. So people find that they're having to retouch a lot. So you're wanting to have some hacks like um, simple things like zigzag parting. So that's simply just changing your part line from being a straight line to being a bit jagged and that just helps to lift the hair up off the head and lift it a little bit and and make it appear fuller. Um, There's things like volumizers, powders that you can use on the scalp. So things that stay away from anything that is sort of heavy or oily. You want all your styling products to be like a powder, like a dry powder. There's some really easy blow dry techniques and I have actually filmed one knowing that this was coming up. So there'll be one on my Instagram page that people can have a look at because I think definitely seeing that as a visual shows you just how quickly you can use 
use your hairdryer to just blow all that shorter new growth to the underside of your style. And actually what that does as well is it actually performs as like a bit of a structure, as a scaffolding. So by blowing the shorter lengths of hair underneath um, the top sections, that is actually plumping the hair up and it gives you much a, a much fuller, fuller appearance but also smooth on the top. So mm. all those little wispy bits that people tend to yes. get very frustrated with and just want to <laughs> think they just want to cut them off. Don't do that. We're just, you know, cutting our nose off to spite our face if we're doing mm. that. So it's it's about just disguising all of those things. And the, these little things are just very, very quick. Um, so you can keep doing them throughout the day, really. Yeah, it starts a routine, yeah. doesn't it, as well? Yeah. And as far as colours go, like would you colour a hair that is going through a stage of falling or would you kind of back off and look at more nourishing, you know, things that you could do for the hair? So when the hair is falling, is there is it a wise thing to put any colour in it? Is there a way you can, you know, bring more life to it through colour or is it a time where you would avoid treating, you know, doing more to yeah. it than is already happening? Yeah, look, I think that's a really good question because, again, it comes down to um, having that that really great relationship with your stylist because everybody's hair is completely different. So everyone yeah. has completely different textured hair and is going through a different, um, I guess, severity of, yeah. of how it's affected. Having said that, you, you'd probably want to um, steer away from lightening products. Um, and if you are going to add colour and that kind of thing, just stick to some really gentle semi-permanent kinds of tones. But it can also be a really good way to just add that shine and colour and that's going to make you feel better and give you a boost mentally as you're going through all of that change. So there's definitely things that you could be doing. Maybe instead of doing an all-over colour, you might choose to have some foils or something like that. So there's options. If you if you do sort of sit and take the opportunity to have that consultation with your, your stylist and just chat about all those options. Yeah, I think that's the key, isn't it? It's working out case by case what is the best for you. Yeah. The colours that are, you know, deepening like browns and those sorts of things, they're obviously less damaging than, you know, blondes. Correct. Or, yeah. yes. And yeah. is there a difference between the solutions you use for like a foils as opposed to like a semi-permanent, you know, overall colour? No, it's not. So you can actually use that colour. Um, using foils is, is purely a placement method. So you can yeah. use the same colour in any in any um, application method if you like. So you can definitely um, go through and have semi-permanent foils and things like that. So it'll all come down to those individual circumstances. Um, yeah. But, yes, definitely colours that are the same level as your natural hair or deeper is where you want to be looking for the least damaging. Yeah. And on that, like treatments, you know, a lot of patients, are talking about which hair products should I buy willing to spend lots of money on you know amazing shampoos and conditioners to help with this hair loss stage we mean you can do that but also looking at what the nutritional component of it is from a hair you know outside component what sort of products would you look at you know smoothing products those sorts of things are there any um, recommendations there for what you can use to help the hair to become more robust yeah sure so i think again when you're looking at any kind of product you need to look at what your priority is so you'll often find that when you're considering what the problems are with, with your 
hair, um, there's a, there's often more than one thing going on. So, for example, it might be coloured hair that's feeling dry, that's falling out. So we've got a multiple, you know, multiple issues going on there that we need to identify what our priority is and treat mm. that priority. So these days, most shampoos and conditioners come, if they're professional, come colour safe. So no longer do we really have many products that would, you know, strip um, is an old word, but that kind of that would take colour out of the hair. Um, so if it would, I would probably be treating it from a strengthening perspective, which which would mean you'd want to be looking at sort of more protein and moisture-based shampoos and conditioners. Words that would be in line with that would be like reconstructants, things like that, but definitely things that are going to help to rebuild and re- reconstruct the hair mm. rather than worrying about necessarily hydration or um, colour safe or things like that. And in that in that same sort of vein, I guess, um, humidity folding products as well, definitely if you're living in the northern parts of Australia or in the tropics anywhere, you know, humidity is a, a big problem when you've got lots of short hair and um, flyaways and fluffy hairs. So humidity fighting um, ability is also something to keep an eye out for as well. Yeah, I think this is the time of year where sales for those go through the roof, isn't it? Yeah, for sure. <laughs> For sure. I'm one of those flyaway girls. <laughs> That's interesting. And and it's obviously protein, like we're trying to add protein to the hair. Mm-hmm. I always talk about the fact that we're made out of protein, not out of carbs, which explains yes. why we flip our diet around after bariatric surgery to become quite protein heavy. Yes. Um, and that's one thing I talk about when patients are, you know, losing hair after that six-month mark. We look at all the nutrients that are, you know, contributors um, if there if there are a deficiency. It, things like iron, B12, folate, zinc, biotin. But I also look at protein intake and whether they're hitting those protein targets every day. And also looking if, you know, all of those ducks are in a row and everything is going in daily at the right levels, but there's still hair loss. I'll also look at um, absorption. So we look at gut health and kind of how are we, you know, using those nutrients and that protein when it is going into the body, is it not being absorbed and utilized in the way that it could? So that's why they say after six months, if there's a, you know, prevailing problem to have a look at all that sort of thing as well. You know, some people you're saying are attached to the length of the hair and when it's falling out, they're kind of trying to maintain the length. I have seen cases where, you know, people will opt for having the hair extensions put on just to get them through that phase. What are your thoughts on that? Look, I think the thing about hair extensions is that they can seem like a, a quick fix, okay? So they can seem like the um, the magic nugget there. Um, just be wary when it comes to how those extensions, there's, mo- there's different ways that extensions can be attached to the hair. And you just really need to remember that your hair is currently in a very fragile state. Mm. Um, and if you're going to be adding, if you're going to be attaching bead extensions or anything for that matter, glue extensions onto the hair and that that hair is quite heavy mm. so you can imagine that's then hanging off the, that new hair that's trying to grow out um, yeah. and remain strong and it's all putting a lot of weight and a lot of pressure onto that hair so in my opinion you're probably better off like I think personally to steer away from that and to probably go for something like a clip-in hair extension which is removable so that way you're getting the best of both worlds um, mm. your clip-in hair extensions are 
real human hair as well. You can take those to your hairdresser and have them colored exactly the same color as your hair. Um, really? They can, they'll clip them into your hair. They will cut them so that they match seamlessly into your, your own haircut. That's and brilliant. that's how, you know, for me, that seems to be the best answer to have that sort of immediate length or immediate fullness to the hair without putting too much unnecessary pressure on. That's great, isn't it? I, you know, I look at, you know, how far we've come with just different devices and things that we've got access to. I had no idea that you could personalise your hair extension, so that's clever. Yeah, and then I guess and actually having said that, like just avoid um, synthetic hair extensions. Mm. So um, I know it sounds, <laughs> it sounds basic, but just remember synthetic hair extensions you cannot, um, style because they will melt. <laughs> so um, don't don't go and try and iron um, an extension into your hair unless it's human hair, like real hair, because um, you're going to end up with all sorts of trouble. So yeah. <laughs> Yeah. It would be quite the opposite look of what we're after, exactly, couldn't it? Yes, it's not a good look. <laughs> I think that's fascinating. And so when you have people come into the salon who are struggling, even with their hair health, are there different things you recommend? Like do you as a hair stylist, do you explore their lifestyle, that sort of stuff, or is that outside of your realm? And do you more look at how can I do the best with, you know, nourishing colour and nourishing products and a trim? Um, yes. So my area of knowledge is mostly topical um, and what we would do is if there are other contributing factors, refer on to other specialists, so trichologists, GPs, and nutritionists, things like that. However, we can treat, you know, those topical things. A lot of, there's a lot of things that happen there, psoriasis and all that sort of thing as well mm. that could happen, you know, parallel to everything that's going on post-weight loss surgery too. So they are all things that obviously are going to have effect on how those hair follicles grow and how the sebaceous glands produce the oils that are needed and all that kind of thing. So I guess um, skin conditions as well is something that you need to consider um, mm. when you're thinking about your hair health is your scalp health as well. And that's all going to, um, you know, fall into line and be really nice and healthy if that sort of holistic approach is taken. So it yeah, that's can't, a good point. yeah, that scalp health is really important because at the end of the day, that's where the follicles are, right? That's where, that's where your hair's growing from. So that's an important thing to remember too. Even, you know, looking at from my perspective, I used to be a massage therapist. So I look at blood flow and when mm -hmm. there's blood flowing, there's oxygen and there's nutrition being delivered and a lot of you know people who are stressed out and sitting at computers and that sort of stuff have that kind of tight neck and shoulders which does uh, limit the blood flow to the scalp and mm -hmm. I think anyone who's anyone would say that the scalp massage they get at the hairdressers is just such an amazing process but there's you know can someone use massage or like massaging oils and massaging product into the hair and the scalp does that make any difference do you think yeah, definitely. I think that definitely from a blood flow, blood flow perspective. And as you and I both know as well, that things are often related mm -hmm. further down the body that we have no idea. Like you were saying, sitting at the computer, it could be your back, it could be your legs, it could be the way you're standing. So, you know, often if there is that block that's stopping just, you know, the whole flow of the body, mm -hmm. um, everything's just not going to be at its, at its best, is it? So, I mean, acupuncture is also amazing for that if that's um something that people are into because that will also increase the blood flow around the scalp and and um i've got a fantastic friend who's an awesome acupuncturist 
I've used her for many, many things over the years. And when she does, um, you know, pop those few needles in my scalp, um, I can definitely feel the energy flow is, is different and I think the blood flow and all that kind of thing. So that's something that people could consider as well. Yeah, that's a good point. Like knowing the meridian system across the top of the head runs the kidney meridian and the governor vessel. So they're mm-hmm. big. They're affected by stress. The kidney energy is affected by long-term stress. So that's probably why a good head massage feels so relieving yeah. and, you know, re-energizing as well. Also looking at, um, you know, from the inside mm. we look at i mean a dermatologist deals with hair skin and nails for a good reason and the whole system is referred to as the integumentary system that's hair skin and nails you know a range of different nutrients and even in clinic we use the clinical signs of the appearance of hair how the skin's looking is it you know dry and pale or is it you know nice and elastic and smooth really there's a whole lot of things we can glean from just looking at a person hair health is one thing that comes up with malnutrition but also with Mm. thyroid health and that sort of thing Mm -hmm. so that kind of dry wiry appearance or hair fall outside of that kind of bariatric um, realm is also linked to different kind of endocrine factors as well so that's always a key the thyroid affects like the growth of the eyebrows you can lose the kind of outside of the arch of the eyebrow so they're all diagnosed we use them as like a they're not to diagnose but they're things that I would look at in a patient like spots on your fingernails or ridges on the nails that sort of thing tells me a lot and directs my line of questioning to have a look at which nutrients we might need to support as well yeah from an emotional standpoint like when you see people coming through that are losing their hair or even you know some women it's genetically that it's kind of on the the maternal side I think is that thin hair anyway what's your experience with your clientele who are you know even if they're aging and their hair's becoming sort of that dry and sparse what do you notice about you know their feelings around it and that sort of thing (laughs) I think um I think it's probably one of the most confronting things that people can go through because when you're going through an internal illness something that's not visible to other people Mm. it can be it can be hidden and you can still have this sort of outward appearance that everything's okay and everything's fine when stuff's happening with hair growth it's a very obvious indication that something's out of balance or something's not right and I think that's a really confronting thing for people to have to display to the rest of the world because it means that they're completely vulnerable and it's kind of like you know taking all the masks off and I think you can't underestimate how exposed that makes people feel and there's so many opportunities there though for amazing self-growth in in having a look like there is so much attachment to to having you know this a lot of people just see that as their beauty or that crown you know there's all those things mm. like you know your hands your crown you never take off and that kind of thing so there is so much attachment to that being some kind of signifier of, of beauty and all that kind of thing and it really just gives you the opportunity to I guess look at that a little bit closer and forces your hand to to have some conversations with yourself around what how that feels for you and how you identify with your hair and I guess maybe maybe I had this conversation with a, a client that I had a couple of weeks ago who has um, lost her hair due to chemotherapy um, and we cut it all off and then she came back a week later and, and um, did the shave herself her final shave and she was really she's really attached 
to that hair. It was her, she said it was the thing that she felt was her, the most beautiful thing about herself. And, mm. and now it was out of her control and it was gone. And so there's this control that comes into it as well. And I think it's this whole sort of acceptance and surrender to things that you can't control, you know, so you have to remember that. You have to adapt and educate yourself to just make the most of the situation that you're in, but also identify that the hair is not your whole identity, I guess. Yes. Yeah, that's a good point. It's interesting though because sometimes people change their hair colour and it does make them unrecognisable. Like Mm -hmm. if if someone you know has always been blonde and they suddenly turn up and they've got a full head of brown hair, it it takes a bit to think that's, you know, Jackie with brown hair. Um, It's interesting how um, it does we do, we, you know, even we describe people of the blonde haired lady or the brown headed person. It's like, isn't that interesting that we use hair to even describe a person? Yes. Yes. It's not, you know, that. Well, it's that first identifier. Like it's, that's, you know, so when you take that away, Mm, um, it's very exposing. However, as this, this same client who, you know, I spent hours with and sort of just walked through that process with her, she, then went the following week and had wig fittings yeah and what she thought she would buy um she bought the complete opposite because all of a sudden she she had accepted it she'd surrendered to it and thought well I'm going to buy something that I would never do myself this is an opportunity for me to have some fun and explore different looks and styles and colors and all of a sudden she just had this light coming from within her that was Mm. completely different because she had realized that she was someone without her hair as well you know that she still existed separate to that and yeah. I've seen that uh, newer girl woman who had alopecia and right. I had no idea I had no idea she had the most beautiful wig and yeah. her hair was always just stunning she goes I just get up and put it on it's so good so good <laughs> it's so good <laughs> Take it off. Always done. It. Yeah. I don't mess it all up. I just put it on. And she yeah. had a range of the most beautiful, and I had no idea. Like it was the most wow. beautiful hair. Yeah. Um, and then when I, I was like, God, I have to get up and I wear mine up a lot because I can't be bothered drying it and it's busy yeah. because of the humidity. And I thought, how good would that be just to just yeah. pop it on and off you go? Um. So you're right. I think we can come to that point where it's like have a bit of fun and explore a few different things as well. I do find that in our realm, it's surprising what's not our vanity shows up in that Hmm. um oh my hair's falling out or a lot of people who are looking at the surgery journey will post in the group and say what can I do to make sure my hair doesn't fall out Hmm. um so it it is something that is a pain point it's like oh my god I don't want to go through all of this and also lose my hair um but it's also a motivator because you know it's if someone does hit after six months of their bariatric surgery and their hair's falling out and they ring B and multi will say well it's likely that there's a deficiency and you know it's a real um reset it's time to Mm -hmm. go and have a look at if the bloods are in good order are you eating enough protein and often they'll go oh yeah i'm kind of not doing that and it's it is it can be it's a sign of something not being completely right but it's also a motivator because it's our vanity as well Mm -hmm. and i tend to think whatever whatever motivates you to look after your nutritional intake after bariatric surgery go for it Mm -hmm. yeah (laughs) 
yeah, absolutely. Um, because if that's, you know, what it is. And I do find that, you know, when you talk about supplementation and that sort of stuff, because it's not a tangible thing, we take it, we don't go, oh, my God, you know, I feel like a totally different human. Some people do, um, but mm. some people don't. They just have mm. this you know, they don't actually grasp the importance of it until something's broken and their hair's falling out. So yes. if that's what the motivation is, that's fine with us. But it's, um, it is a sign that things have been not right for quite a while when the body shuts down hair production. Mm. So I look at hair as as far as our body operational systems go, I look at hair as like a nice to have. Yes. <laughs> Whereas the nutrients that make hair, if you've got them in an abundant supply, it'll be lovely and you'll get this great hair growth because it's nice that you've got the excess of those nutrients to keep making beautiful glossy hair. If those nutrients are in shortfall, the body will just sacrifice the hair because it's got more important things to do with zinc, B12 and, you know, biotin and all those sorts of things yeah. because those nutrients manage you know your brain and your nervous system and your folate is all about reproducing healthy cells it's a lot about blood cell production that sort of thing so immune system all that sort of stuff so it tends to be it's interesting how our bodies work at kind of prioritizing where things go yes. and if there's not enough you'll see it show up somewhere so that's why hair skin and nails will be telltale signs of deficiency because it's like they're the nice to have glossy skin that's all beautiful and smooth or you can have vitamin a and maintain your eyesight so yes yes. i look at it as you know the body's off these nutrients are being taken they're doing the need to do jobs yeah and nice to have is off the charts at the moment you can have that back later when you start supplementing again so i think that's um when you do see that there's you know outside effects it's not that it's happening yesterday it's actually been kind of brewing and there's more going on than just your hair it's not just the hair that's being um, impacted on it'll be that you know quite a number of systems in the body as well yeah Um, and how amazing is that like you know to be we should be grateful right for all those signs that we're getting like at the end of the day we should be like well this is great because this is a you know grateful that i've had this opportunity yeah because six months 12 months further down the track if we didn't have that as an indicator who knows what would be happening internally to those systems good point iron is a big one in our community where up to 48 percent of patients are deficient after the first year after their surgery and it's Mm -hmm. a big one for hair growth also like oxygen supply like we were talking about to the hair follicle and that sort of thing so yeah it's it's an indicator of a range of things i will post it's a it's the best article i've found on hair loss and the bariatric patient and i'll post it in the show notes on the australian weight loss surgery podcast website along with your contact details as well and the videos that you have put together to help us to dry our hair (laughs) (laughs) visuals are good to that i think visuals yeah definitely help even you showed me when i was in and you could blow through the short hairs into the lower level i've no idea so i've been doing that thank you yeah Um, and how's that going it's helping yes it is actually and it's just the angle that you you know hold your brush and your the you know the air from the hair dryer it's very quick and easy to do yeah um, yeah and I think I wanted to touch on that the difference between professional products that you would buy from someone like yourself in your salon yeah um, comparative to a supermarket brand what are we looking at there the biggest thing is that you know it comes down to the quality of product the quality of 
of ingredients, I should say, um, and things like silicons and things like that. At the end of the day, we talk about build-up in hair as the main difference is that, that feeling that you get on your hair that gives you that, that comability, that beautiful, silky, soft feeling is actually at the end of the day, that's like a silicon feeling. And what happens is the long chain silicons are actually cheaper to produce than short chain silicons. So long chain silicons, if you can just imagine like a, a metal chain, of all interlinking pieces. That's what a long chain silicon looks like. And what happens, that just wraps itself around the hair. And that's what gives it that feeling of smoothness and that real silky soft permeability. Short chain silicons, they go on there for a period of time. They've got that feel good factor, but then when you shampoo your hair, they're really short, so they just fall away and they have an ability to fall away. So when we talk about that buildup on the hair, it's actually all those long chain silicons that keep wrapping themselves around. And then all of the good things that you put in your hair or um, all those topics things can't uh, color included can't actually penetrate through those silicons and get into the hair shaft so when we talk about build-up and there's certain brands that people would associate that with over the years that's exactly what we're talking about so you do get what you pay for having said that if you there's been studies over the years that actually show um you know the two products side by side and the amount that you use and the amount that's required like a per serve kind of scenario is actually the same cost because the quality of the product goes further yes so just remember that as well and i'm not sure like the last time you guys had a look at like the difference in the cost between like a a good quality product and then supermarket it's not that much and if you actually went it's not that much and if you go for a a person kind of scenario mm. um i think you'll find it's fairly on par the biggest yeah, thing because you just don't need the, the volume of it you don't need the, the amount done. you know mm. you don't need to fill your hand with a massive amount of product to get the same result and the only thing i would say about that as well is if you are in australia just support local there's some incredible um, australian brands that are paraben sulfate free that are organic that are cruelty free peta approved all of those things and these brands you know they go above and beyond to try and deliver really quality ingredient um, that are going to have a massive effect on your hair health rather than, you know, like I said, things that are sort of give you that instant gratification of that comability but don't actually restructure their hair over time. Yeah, that's a good point. I know you've done a lot of research for varying reasons to, you know, come up with a range in your, I was going to say clinic, in mm-hmm. your salon. It's a bit and like a clinic sometimes. I <laughs> and so can you give me three major brands that you would recommend for those kind of reasons that they're, um, you know, good quality, they'll do what they say and, you know, they're Australian made? Yeah, so I would definitely look at Di Lorenzo. It's um, been around for over 30 years. It's an Australian brand and it does all those things I just talked about. Real quality products, certified organic, cruelty-free, all those things. And there's a brand new product that's just come to the market called Arvo and it's actually a Brisbane-based product. Um, and it's fantastic for um, all of those reasons as well. So that's A-R-V-O, so you can have a look at them online and it's getting some brilliant feedback. Yeah, which is really, really cool. And then um, Evo is another brand that is and it has a great styling range of, of um, styling products and um, it's just got, I think it's really important these days that all of the brands that you use also have that sort of sustainability factor to them as well so that you know that there's, you know, that conscience behind the brands we use. That's really important too, I think. That is becoming a major 
and people are it is a major consideration when they're buying as well absolutely so at where did this bottle come from what is it going to do when i'm finished with it that sort of thing i've got the evo product that you supplied the it's called lockdown yes yeah <laughs> i know I like, that it's got a whole lockdown. different it's got a whole different connotation now doesn't it yeah but it's I mean, beautiful it smells beautiful and it's just it feels really smooth and it does what it says and you only need like a dot of that sort of stuff otherwise you've um overdone yeah. it but it's um it is brilliant so looking at recapping basically trim your hair make sure it's you know maintaining the health of that end of the hair so you're not losing it by um splitting and um, fragmenting mm-hmm. um, look at styling your hair in tricky little ways which we'll show you in our videos mm-hmm. look at not putting in permanent hair extensions so that we're not kind of adding extra stress to that kind of weakened hair shaft Mm -hmm. and then looking at you know what's going in and what might be missing if there are signs of hair loss or even just you're not happy with the texture and the feel of your hair overall and sometimes it can be that you just don't it's not styling well and that can be due to the health of your hair as well it just won't sit nicely and then looking at just kind of managing I guess what we can and can't control and I think we covered that really well with you know take advantage of different tricky things you can do and have a bit of fun with it if that's the case and more often than not, it's not, I mean, it's never a permanent hair loss situation with bariatric surgery. It's a transient thing. And yeah, it is just knowing that it will end and, um, you know, you can get through it as well as, yeah. as part of the journey. And you're right. It is big on identity, looking at things that are going on with our hair. So it's um, definitely, you can see why we call it Transformation Tuesday. It's definitely (laughs) Transformation Tuesday. I think, um, yeah, just having that, just knowing that you're not the only one that's in this situation as well. And I think your community is awesome for that, just so that people don't feel like they're the only ones that are going through that. I think Mm -hmm. there's definitely a lot to gain from sharing your experience with other people in a similar situation, because that's priceless for those people that are just starting in that you know yeah. are just at the start of that six month journey or at the start of that journey so yeah pretty um, it can be pretty astounding i had one other question that should have gone back in yeah. earlier there's the nioxon products and those sorts of things that say they promote hair growth in this situation are they going to be helpful i i can only say what i know about these products and that's you know pretty surface but from my understanding those products encourage follicle um, health so mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. So the way that these products work is by sort of encouraging hair growth, by um, making sure that the the scalp is at its most primed to Mm. produce the hair at its strongest. So um, there's definitely nothing wrong with those products. The only thing I would say is just be aware, like some people use coal tar shampoos and things like that for psoriasis and that kind of thing. Just watch those as well like the um, combination of the products or is yeah, it more just, just that they're pretty just, hard yeah they're pretty hardcore products um which do a job for a specific purpose but it, you know if you don't have that specific purpose or that hasn't been prescribed to you by a gp or a trichologist or something like that it's probably not the answer for you um because it can just have some other effects and can cause build up and that kind of thing so when you do go to do other things you do get some funny little chemical reactions can happen um so unless you've been prescribed that or you've been referred that specifically you know it's probably not ideal for you 
Yeah, yeah, good point. I wanted to also just while I think of it, there's a lot of our community who are supporting hair growth with the nutrients like zinc and biotin and those sorts mm. of things. So off the shelf, they'll also buy, you know, a hair, skin and nails formula. And what I'm finding is if they're being really diligent and they're taking their BN multi twice a day like they need to to cover all the other nutrients, when they're adding those things in, we are seeing in practice that there's competitive nutrients in the combination of the two products. I always encourage people to, if they're adding anything on top of their multivitamin that's basically tailored for the weight loss surgery patient, if they're adding anything in, always ask about it. We see like a few patients who are like more is better. Sometimes that's not the case because zinc will compete. So the hair, skin and nails formulas are quite high in zinc and the multivitamins also have enough zinc in them to get you through anyway. So when you're taking in all of that on a long-term basis, it starts to knock out copper. And we are seeing not a lot Mm. of it, but we're seeing low copper in some patients in that situation. And that can have pretty far-reaching effects on the nervous system and that sort of thing. So it's something to, and the brain. So it's something to be aware of is that if you were just thinking that more is better or you'll take this other product alongside, just to always mention it to your professional team so that they know what you're taking. And often they'll support it or they'll give you maybe another option that doesn't have, you know, the conflicting ingredients. And there's a lot we can do, but always if you're adding anything in that goes alongside your multivitamin, even the timing that you're taking things, some nutrients need to be separated by a few hours so they don't compete. So some people need more zinc for say, um, if they've got a zinc deficiency, but they need lots of iron because they're also iron deficient, but we can't take them together. So then it's up to your dietitian or your nutritionist to plan out what you need, but also tell you when to take them. So you don't get that conflict and the malabsorption as well. So that's really interesting. Yeah, Mm. that's really interesting because, you know, my ignorant thought process on that is that what I've always sort of believed is that, well, if your body's got too much of it, it will just get rid of it. There are some nutrients that will do that. Others that are, it's more the minerals that are a bit funny like that. They'll either be stored or they'll be, they won't be absorbed because there's only a certain amount of receptors for them. So you'll put in iron and zinc together and they'll, at different doses, they'll start to knock each other out. But yeah, it's calcium, iron, a lot of the minerals that do it. B group, most of it will just wash out if it's, if you've got too much of it, or if it does build, there's usually a very short half-life, which is like, like B6. We've just had conversations about B6 in our community as well. And if B6 becomes high, it really high, it can be problematic. It's very unusual but Mm. when you're trying to wash it out it takes about 22 days to come back to normal levels Um, some are water soluble vitamins some are minerals and some are fat soluble so the fat soluble ones get stored generally in the liver so yeah we're very clever we like and even talking about hair like having a look at just what it takes to have a healthy head of hair yes Um, yes (laughs) we are complex and um fascinating machines well thank you for your time so welcome it's um so close to christmas and we're podcasting at oh. 9.30 on a, in of an evening. That's how silly <laughs> it's getting. So all your contact information will be on our show notes, which are housed on the Australian Weight Loss Surgery Podcast website and the videos, which will direct you to Sarah's Instagram page. If you're in Brisbane, I totally encourage you to go and visit Sarah and Susie at Lavelle Hair Workroom in Greenslopes. I've been pat- I've been a patron there for like five years now. Long time now, yeah. I know. So um, lovely. I can certainly vouch for the beautiful service and that 
um, unique niche environment where those conversations can be had in you know your own private room if you need it um, yeah. so please never feel shy to approach absolutely please reach out um, on social media or via phone don't be shy We're, we'd be more than happy to have conversations with you yeah sure. brilliant excellent thanks Thank Jackie you so much. I really appreciate your time have a good evening thank you Thanks for listening. And just before you go, we would love to hear your feedback. So please give us a rating and review. For other interesting topics of conversation and inspiration, come and drop into our Facebook community at BN Bariatric. If you've enjoyed our podcast, we hope you will share on your Facebook or Instagram and hit subscribe so you'll never miss an episode.